31. Proverbs chapter 31, if you will. And I uh, want to start by saying thank you to those uh, this past week who are praying for our family, specifically uh, in the homegoing of Michelle's dad uh, this past Monday. And uh, appreciate your prayers uh, for us as we traveled and uh, as we had the service this past Friday. Uh, so thank you so much for praying for us this past week. And please continue to do so in the days ahead. Um, Jamie, let me just have a little bit more right here, please. Uh, as we honor the ladies in our lives who have done so much for us, we see an example of uh, the perfect woman in Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs uh, 31. Solomon is the writer of most of the Proverbs, but here in 31, it is not the case. We don't know the context of who the lady is that's writing. We don't really know who the king is that she cares about, but we know that this woman is writing a proverb uh, in expectation for the perfect wife for her son. And so she is really just saying a uh, perfect woman. If, if my son could marry the perfect ideal woman, what would she look like? Some believe that the woman that she is writing about is Ruth, the biblical character, the biblical woman in the book of Ruth, because so many of the things about her line up with her story. But no matter who the woman is that she's writing about, it provides an example that every woman should desire to imitate in their life. And can I just say for a moment publicly that we need more women from Proverbs 31. We need more women in our society from Proverbs 31. Uh, we need more women in our communities from Proverbs 31. Uh, we need more women in our churches from Proverbs 31. Uh, and it's okay to say amen this morning. Uh, you know, even if your wife is sitting right next to you saying, don't say a word, don't say a word. Uh, we need more women just like this woman that we see mentioned. So Proverbs chapter 31 and verse number 10 is where we're going to begin and we're going to quickly run throughout the entire rest of the chapter from verse number 10 all the way to verse 31. And we see if you're taking notes this morning you can write down number one the price of that woman. The price of that woman. The first words about this woman are all about how valuable she is. And it's not about what she costs. It's all about what she's worth. Not about what she costs. Oh, Pastor, man, uh, that diamond was expensive and uh, that, uh, that wedding was expensive. I'm still paying on that wedding. And uh, uh, all of these things were, but it's not about what she costs. It's what about this woman, how much she's worth, how much she's worth. Let, let's look at Proverbs 31 and verse number 10. The writer says, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the service and the music that draws our attention upward. Lord, I thank you so much for how you challenge us. In your word. Thank you for the woman found in Proverbs 31. Uh, Lord, believing that this is a real woman, not someone fictitious, but Lord, that this woman existed. Uh, this was a woman who exists today. We'll see that uh, throughout the course of our message. She exists in our world today. 
Lord, I ask that you please help us to uh, ascribe, to uh, encourage the women in our church, in our uh, neighborhoods, in our communities, in our world to be the women found, the woman found in Proverbs 31. Help our wives, help our moms. Thank you for the impact that they've had on our lives. Lord, help us to honor them, whether they're still with us this morning or they've already passed on. Uh, Lord, help us to honor their memory, honor their lives by how we live ours. Lord, please speak to my heart. Cleanse me of any sin in my heart unconfessed. Please purify me. Help me to be clean this morning as I preach your word. And if there's one here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, please allow today to be the day where they realize their spiritual need and call out to you for salvation. Lord, please do the work that only you can do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The price of that woman... We see the first thing under that heading that there is a search that's mentioned. The search in verse number 10, it says her price is far above rubies. Her price is found, this virtuous woman is found in her virtue. The Hebrew word for virtue is kayil, which means strength. So this woman, this writer is talking about the strength of this woman, strong in all of her moral qualities. Now this woman was evidently alive almost as if the writer is looking at the person who she's writing about and she's describing her. She's looking at her life and saying she's this and she's this and she's taking all of these things down and I'm watching what this woman does as the perfect woman. But while she desires for her son to marry this woman, Solomon, the writer of most of the book of Proverbs, did not have the, the luxury of this kind of a relationship. Now, what does the Bible say about the kind of woman that Solomon was connected with? In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse number 4, it says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. This was a far cry from the woman in Proverbs, uh, far away. And the question about finding this kind of woman isn't that she's impossible to find. It's that she's difficult to find. And see, as guys, we can just kind of flitter and just grab any woman who will uh, catch our eye and uh, who will put up with us. Uh, we can just grab on the first one that comes our way. But how difficult is it to find a virtuous woman? What about finding that virtuous woman in our culture, in our church, in our life, in your marriage, in your home. And ladies, are you that woman of virtue? Are you strong in moral excellence? Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5 says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. There it is. Strong moral character, strong moral excellence. Now Webster's defines this word virtue as particular Moral excellence. So the first thing I would ask you right out of the gate is what are you doing to cultivate virtue in your life? What are you doing to have strong moral excellence? Because we all know and understand that it's one thing to say that you're virtuous. It's another thing to be virtuous. It's another thing to live a life determined to have strong moral excellence. So we see the search. Who can find a virtuous woman? Then number two, we see the support. In verse number 11 and 12, the only case where in the scripture where we see commending, trusting anyone other than God is found right here. It says in verse 11, the heart of her husband does safely trust 
in her. Her husband can trust her. Why? Because she's virtuous. Her husband can trust her because she's godly. He looks at her and says, baby, as long as I got you, I got all that I need. And he looks at her as all that he needs. And ladies, whether or not you have a man in your home leaning into the relationship that you have, you should be striving to be a godly example to those who know you. Paul said a characteristic in the last days in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5 said that people would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the power thereof. And they would look godly on the outside, but they wouldn't be godly on the inside. They would look the part, but they wouldn't be the part. I love what Alistair Begg said about this thought. He said, if truth were told, most of us spend longer each day on personal cleanliness than on practical godliness. Longer each day. Man, we're in the mirror. We're making sure every hair's right. And everything's in place. And the shirt's ironed. And the tie's just right. And all these different things. Did I have pants on today? Yes, I've got, I'm ready to go. And we spend more time on that than we do on practical godliness. Are we even emphasizing godliness in our life? 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. We know the verse. But godliness with contentment is great gain. It's not contentment. It's the godliness that leads to contentment. It's not just being content. It's what produces contentment. It's godliness. It's having that virtue in our life. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness, sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. It's not about the clothes you wear. It's not about the jewelry that you have. It's not about the makeup or all of these different things. Are you godly? Are you godly? Are you focused on what people can see on the outside? Or are you focused on what God sees on the inside? Uh, see, you can bathe a pig. You can put them on nice clothes and you can dress them up, primp them up, put the little bow in their tail. But you let the rain come. And those puddles start forming, you let that pig outside, what's that pig going to do? Find the first mud hole it can find. Why? Because no matter how it's dressed up, it's still a pig. And you can look going on the outside all you want to. But if you're not clean on the inside, hey, the first opportunity to sin that you can find, and you'll go roll around in that mud hole. Because the inside has not been changed. That is the difference. What's on the inside will define what's on the outside. What's on the inside? Hey, can we just be honest this morning? What's on the inside eventually works its way out. You know, you can, you can put on a good front on Sunday at church. Hey, sis. Hey, brother. Good to see you. Hey, I brought my Bible, man. I'm glad. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you. But Monday through Friday... Totally different animal. Totally different. Hey, don't you talk to me like you blankety, blankety, yo, yo, whatever. Act like something totally different. Why? Because what's on the inside eventually works its way out. We can dress it up. We can fake it up. But is the inside clean? And God puts a whole lot more attention on us prioritizing the inside than he does the outside, by the way. The inside. As we see the search, we see the support. And then verse 13 and 14, we see the satisfaction. 
Uh, look at what uh, it says. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with our hands. This woman isn't afraid to work. Imagine what a concept. That four-letter word, work. You know, uh, She's not afraid to work, but she is also satisfied with her work. Uh, too many people want to do just enough to get by. Are you just satisfied with the bare minimum? Or are you trying, striving for excellence? Hey, if it takes just a little bit longer, I- I'm willing to do that. Uh, if it takes just a little bit more effort, I'm willing to do that. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 7 and 8, Paul, at the end of his life, he's talking about what he's done, what he's accomplished. And he says in 2 Timothy 4, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul's life, Paul didn't have an easy road. Paul didn't have an easy life. He had a difficult life. In and out of prison, shipwrecked, beaten. A couple times they thought he was dead. All of these different times that he struggled, yet he said, I finished my course. And what was the end result? In verse number 8 it says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul left it all on the table. He didn't hold anything back. And I wonder this morning, are you giving it your best? When it comes to living for the Lord, are you giving an A-plus effort? Or are you just satisfied with getting by? Y'all, hey, pastor, you should be glad I came to church. The week that I had, you should be glad that I just came to church. It's Mother's Day. I wanted breakfast in bed. I wasn't going to get it because I know my husband's not going to do that. And I'm not going to do that. So you should be just glad. But here's the thing. At the end of our life, you're not going to stand before the pastor. It's not about pleasing me. Are you honoring the Lord? Is your life bringing glory to Him? What are you willing to do? This woman was willing to work for her family. She was willing to do difficult things, make difficult choices. But what are you willing to do for yours? What are you willing to do for your home? We see the price of that woman. A high price, who can find? But then number two, we see the provision of that woman. The provision of that woman. In verse 15 through 19, we see that she was providing for her home and wasn't afraid to work. But she was not willing, uh, not afraid to work for, number one, her family. In verse 15, she says, She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. In order for her to have her daily provisions, for her to provide for her family, she had to do things that not everyone else was doing. It says that she got up while it was still dark, y'all. She gets up in the middle of the night, which is not fun. She gets up in the middle of the night so that she can provide not just for her own family, but for other people. We think about our culture today, and if you're, you're honest, we're a pretty selfish group. We're pretty selfish in what we do. But love compels us to do things differently to do what everyone else isn't willing to do to do things that were unconventional to be different remember paul says about love in first corinthians 13 5 he says doth not behave itself unseemly seeketh not her own you know what that means it means that i'm not looking out for what's best for me i'm looking out for others others 
William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was asked to speak at a college years ago in the founding days of the Salvation Army. And they were asked, they asked Dr. Booth, if you'll come and just share the secret of your success. What is it that drives your life, that makes you successful? And share it with all these graduates at this commencement address. And share it as they're getting ready to go out in the world. They're getting ready to impact the lives of other people everywhere. Give us the secret of your success. What is it that drives you? you. Everybody's all dressed up, caps and gowns ready, got their hands ready with their notepads and their pens, and they're ready to take notes from this foundational principle. What is it that Dr. Booth is going to share with them that's going to change the course of their life? Dr. Booth slowly walks up to the podium. What is the secret of Dr. Booth's success? What is it that drives Dr. William Booth? And he got up and he said, others. And he went and sat back down. What is it that drives your life today? Is it you or is it others? You know, Dr. William Booth was fairly successful. We still know all about the Salvation Army today. But is your life categorized, characterized by you? What makes you happy? What pleases you? Or is it about how you can invest in others. How do you show love to other people? David Garland said, we ought not to expect to receive from God what we are not prepared to bestow on others. Hey, how can you expect God to love on you if you're not willing to love on others? If you're not willing to invest in others. When was the last time you showed love by fixing a meal or reaching out to someone who's hurting or sending that message or praying with someone at the altar or uh, walking across the room to check on someone who's been missing? When was the last time that you went out of your personal way to show love to someone? Well, pastor, me cooking a meal for my family, that is love, (laughs) you know, whatever. But when we look at our lives, are we showing love? To other people. We see that she showed love to her family, but not only that, she also provided for her future. In verse 16 through 19, she talks about what she does. It says, She considereth the field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hand. She plants a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength, strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candles goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle. Her hands hold the distaff. She understood that everything I do right now impacts what happens later. She recognized that she could work now and make an impact later. I can work now and I can impact the future. But what did that require? It required her to pace herself. It required her to pace herself. See, we live in a fast everything society. Fast food, fast service, fast products. Uh, The quicker we can get it to your door, uh, the, the better it is. I got fussed at this past week at Target because I checked in on the app the moment that I pulled into the parking spot. And the employee came out and said, hey, next time, will you please check in before you get here? Before. And I thought, what a bum to say that to me. And Michelle and I got to, because t- I'm, I'm venting. I'm venting to my wife. Uh, never coming to Target. I already have Walmart on the list. Now I've got to put Target on the list. You know, uh, never shopping again. And all, she's, we talked about it and the fact that they're working on their times. 
They're trying not to delay you getting your stuff. Trying to make sure that their time looks good. Fast service. Fast service. Not delayed service, but fast service. When we think about helping others, sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes we have to wait. Remember Hosea chapter 12 and verse 6. Therefore turn thou to God, keep mercy and judgment, and wait on thy God continually. I don't like that word. Because we don't like to wait. We want everything now. Now. Psalm 25, 5. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. I wait all the day. You know, there's something about waiting for us that requires patience, diligence, pace. It requires me to wait and do stuff that I don't really want to do. And when we think about our life today, John, you can come help, help me with this. And because uh, John is the not guy. And so uh, we talk about, we're going to tie ourselves together here, John. And this is going to be loads of fun. We have lots of rope, okay? So let's tie ourselves together. Sound good? Sure. All right. All right. You're the not guy. This is not my cup of tea, okay? Uh, so how do we want to start? We're going to tie ourselves together. You want to tie a leg together? You want to tie bodies together? What do you want to do? Just like a three-legged race? Yes. Let's do that. All right. So okay. let's do it. No pressure. Everyone wants to go to lunch. Yeah, you do too. I know. I'm right there with you. All right. So John's getting himself squared away. Y'all work with us here. Okay. Now remember, we got to be pretty close. Okay. How close? How close? Like, that's not close enough. No. Yep. There you go. Sounds good. I like it. Woo! Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it was too easy. Sorry. All right, that's good. That'll work. I'll hold it. You got it. Okay, cool. Thank you. All right, so come over here. All right, now, well, something that when you think about pace, now, John and I could, we could say, all right, we're going to walk from here back to where Jamie is, and our camera guys are going to love this today. Uh, but we're going to walk back here to Jamie. Now, you and I are tied together. We're going to walk over there. We're going to walk back there where the camera is, Focused on us right now, and uh, you're adjusting already. Okay, so we're going to walk back there, and that's where we're going. Okay, ready? Yep. All right, let's go. All right. I'm going this way. We're going back there. Okay. All right, you're going this way? Yes. You're going this way. All right, let's go. <laughs> I'm going this way because I can still get there going that way. Okay? Okay. All right, you want to go that way? That would be nice. Ready? Okay, let's go. All right. All right. So we're definitely going this way. You're not going around. This way. You're, this, way. this way. You're sure? Yes. Absolutely positive. Yes. That's the way we want to go. Yes. Okay, well, let's go. All right. This is working much better. Yes, it is. This is a lot easier. Okay? Now let's stop. Okay. All right. Now let's turn and let's go back. Okay? All right, ready? Yeah. Step. Oh, 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 there we go. Now we're good. All right. All right. This goes so much better. Yeah. All right. Okay, now let's turn. Okay. Okay. Now, we got it. We got it. All right, so we're back where we started. Now, here's the thing. This is our walk with the Lord. Because he says this is the way that we're going. 
And I look at my life and say, all right, I got to get back there, but I'm going to go this way. And God says, no, we're, we're going this way. And I can pull, and hey, I, I can pull. Neither one of us are going to have leg hair when we're done with this illustration. <laughs> but I can get where I want to go. I can make myself get to that intended direction, that intended location. However, God has already laid out the path, and he just says, follow me. Yeah. We'll get there. Uh, it might not be the way you would have chosen. It might not have been the path that you would have picked for yourself. But he says, just stay with me. Pace yourself. We talk about following the Lord. It's not that difficult. But don't we make it difficult? Because I look at the road ahead and I see all these challenges and say, well, but, but God, if we went this way, we would miss all of those things. And yet he says, but I want you to go through those things. I want you to trust me as we go through those things. And I look and say, but God, it, I might have to go the long way around, but man, we could miss all that stuff. And he looks and says, but you won't grow through that stuff unless we go through that stuff. That's good. And so I have to learn to stay with him. I have to learn to follow the master. And, and ladies, you have the opportunity to lead and guide your home in awesome ways. But it's not going to go as well as you think if you're going this way and God is going this way. You need to learn to follow Him. Well, well, Pastor, why are my kids not following the Lord? Are you following the Lord? Why, are, why do my kids not want to come to church? Are you following the Lord and you're leading them to where it's a priority in your life? Are you following Him? Because if you're not following hey, moms, you know as well as I do, your husband might be the head, but there's a neck that turns that head. And you're the neck that turns that head. And if you're not encouraging your man to do right, and if you're not encouraging, you're not helping lead, and you're not teaching and leading by example, why would your kids follow? Why would your kids honor? Why would your kids serve if you're not step by step? matching the Lord's steps. Why would they want to? If they don't see value in us, why will they prioritize it in their lives? They've got to see it. You can take this off. Thank you. But you they've got to see it by example. Well, pastor, I'm bringing them and they're coming to safe house and, and they're hearing the word of God and they're hearing all these things. But if you're not leading by example, thank you. If you're not leading by example, why would they want to follow your words, if they're not seeing it in your walk, why would they follow that? It comes back to the future. Ladies, you can determine the future, but you need to be faithful first. Focus on your walk with the Lord. The price of that woman, the provision of that woman. She provides her family, her future. And then we see number three, the personality of that woman. Look at verse number 20 through 25. She's already set the bar really, really high. Uh, the picture-perfect woman. But what is it about her actions that shows her heart? We see in verse 20, her giving. It says, she stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She wasn't greedy, but looked at what she had been given. And it's a way to help others, to invest 
others. And how do you see what the Lord has given you? Do you see it as something that you can hoard or that God has given you to help someone else? That God has given you so that you can build up your kingdom or something that you can invest in His kingdom? Think about why did God give you the abilities that He did? Why did God give you the talents that you have? Why did God see fit to do that? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 24. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. God allows you to have the ability and talents and resources that you have so that you can play your very specific role in the body of Christ. God has allowed you to be gifted in such a way that you play your role. Now, here's the thing. This is how we are. Man, I wish I could sing like that. I mean, I wish I could speak like that, or I wish I could play like that, or I wish I could teach like that, or I wish I could do like that. Why don't you just be you? Why don't you just be who God has created you to be? Because for you to be like someone else is not God's plan. God created you to be you. And God wants you to be you in His body. He doesn't want you to be someone else. He wants you to be you. And But are you using what God has given you. Someone said, he who gives when he has asked has waited too long. He who gives when he has asked has waited too long. Are you waiting on the Lord? Is he prompting you to give to others? Her Number one, her giving. Number two, her garments. In verse 21 and 22, it says, she's not afraid of the snow of her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. Verse 24, she makes fine linen, sells it, delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She's working, preparing all of these clothes that she can sell. She's not afraid to prepare a household. She knows that something's coming. She knows that hardships are coming. She knows that a storm is coming down the road. All expecting what's going to happen. She's not caught by surprise. Can I just remind all of us, we know that we'll face hardships in this life. God even promised that they were coming. But are we doing anything to prepare for them? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Hebrews 10, 38, Now the just shall live by faith. And you and I might not understand at times the storms. There are times in our lives when we won't know what's happening around us, but we can trust in the one who is over us. And you might not understand what God is doing around your life and why is God allowing me to lose my spouse or why has God allowed me to lose my job and why do my kids not want to come to church or why am I not growing and why are all these things? You might not know what's happening around you, but you can trust the one who's over you. Why can we trust Him? How can we trust Him? Uh, Why would we trust Him? It's very simple. Because He is faithful. He is faithful. Not He will be faithful. Not He has been faithful. But He is ever faithful. He's always faithful. He is. That's why. And she prepared for the seasons of life that she would face. So the question at this point is, are you ready for the storm? Ladies, are you preparing for that storm? See, Satan doesn't warn us in advance. 
but God does. Satan doesn't warn us. He doesn't say, okay, here comes the storm. No, but God has already prepared us, warned us, and provided for us so that we can go through the storm. He's prepared by warning us and he's provided us. Remember, he's the way of escape. He's provided for us. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Her giving was a part of her character. Her garments as she prepares for the storm. And then that leads into verse 23, her greatness. Her greatness. She's not the only one who is praised in this story. Look at verse 23. It says, she, uh, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. Her husband had a seat of honor in the gate, the place where the local leadership met each day. And because of all that she did, people looked at him and said, good job, good job. She helped him. And ladies, you may never truly understand the role that you play in your husband's leadership. You may never truly understand, but don't undervalue the impact that you can have on your husband. Don't undervalue the impact that you have. See, nobody can build him up better than you. But with that same phrase, nobody can tear him down quicker than you. Nobody can build him up. Now, I'm, I'm a words of affirmation person. That is my love language, words of affirmation. So I get in the car every single week with my lovely wife sitting next to me. And I'll say something very similar to this. How did I do? There are times when she says, you done good. And there are times when she said, eh. <laughs> They're rare, but it has happened. And, uh, and let, let me bring that to a close and we'll go on the last point. Hey, we can have a thousand people walk out the door. And they say, Pastor, that was the worst message I've ever heard in my life. And I get in the car defeated and deflated. And she can say, honey, God just showed me some stuff this morning that I never thought about before. And God used you in a special way. And man, it doesn't matter the thousand people, Robert. It doesn't matter the thousand people who came out. Because immediately my soul and my spirit are lifted. And I'm encouraged. But it also works the other way. I can have a thousand people walk out and say, man, Pastor, that was awesome. I wish my neighbor would have heard that. It was great. And I get in the car, man, I'm feeling good. And I say, you know, validation. Hey, and all these people said it was great. Honey, how, how did I do this morning? And she goes, well, I've heard better. <laughs> you know, it's like letting go of that balloon, you know, in the car. And ladies, you have that impact in the lives of your husband. And don't underestimate the value of what you can do. Have you encouraged your husband recently, ladies? Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 4, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, full of moral excellence. And the argument is that women say, well, you know, pastor, my husband hasn't earned my respect. He hasn't earned that faithfulness to him. He hasn't earned it. And when he earns it, I'll show it. I sure am glad that Jesus didn't 
think that way when he came to die on the cross for our sins. And when a father, when they show that they're truly sorry, I'll go and die on the cross. He never would have come. He never would have come. He paid forward what we needed. And ladies, maybe you need to dig a little deeper and pay forward what your husband needs, what your children need, what your family needs. And you say, the men, you guys say, men, my wife doesn't deserve to be treated like that. Uh, she doesn't treat me like I deserve. Uh, guys, let me just encourage us. She might treat us better if we would treat her better. I'm just being brutally honest this morning. Uh, she deserves to be treated like a queen. And if you want to be treated like a king, you need to treat her like a queen. Act, act like who you were created to act like. Ephesians 5.33, let, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. Hey, I'm going to clothe myself today. I'm going to bathe myself today. I'm going to feed myself today. And your wife deserves to be cared for, men, by you. By you. Don't leave your job up to some other dude. You do your job. You be a man. You be a Makaira man. Be a man of the word. Be a man who invests in his home. And then lastly this morning we see the praise of that woman. Verse 26 through 31. We arrive at the end of the chapter and we might think this is hopeless. Pastor, uh, this woman can't be real. Uh, I'll never be able to be like her. Uh, It's not going to happen. I might as well not even try. But what is it about this woman that she's prayed for? What is our attention? As we close out, you would think it's just going to get better and better and all these things are just going to keep mounting up. But what is she praised for? Two things. Number one, we see that she is praised for her wisdom. Look at verse 26. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. The woman in this chapter is focused on wisdom. She's focused on wisdom. You might say, Pastor, I am not getting up before daylight to go out and uh, cook meals and do all these different things. Uh, I'm not going to make my family clothes. We did that one time and it did not turn out well. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to sell stuff to merchants. You know, I'm not going to get on Etsy or uh, any of these sites and, and sell stuff. But you can be known for wisdom. Ladies, you can be known for wisdom. But here's the question. Are you praying for it? James chapter 1 and verse number 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him, and that him there is gender neutral, let him or her ask of God. Hey, if you want wisdom, are you asking God for wisdom? Because the Bible tells us if we ask for it, he'll give it. It's pretty simple. God will give it. James chapter 3, verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good gifts, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Not only is she known for wisdom, she's also known in verse 26 for gentleness. In her tongue is the law of kindness. Her words that she speaks are not harsh. They're gentle. She knows what to say and how to say it. And sometimes the best course of action, this is just for all of us, this is free. Sometimes the best course of action is to not say a word. You ever see the movie Bambi? Remember Thumper? Thumper, what did your father say about what? Remember? 
If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Sometimes the best thing we can say is nothing. I'm going to sit over here. Just because you can say something, just because you want to say something, doesn't mean that you should say something. I love Proverbs chapter 17, verse 28. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. Even somebody who's dumber than a box of rocks, when they say nothing, man, that person's really wise. I heard a preacher say years ago, he who talks much, sins much. You look at the people that you know and they're constantly blah, 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 blah. You know, Charlie Brown's parents, wah, 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 wah. He who talks much, sin much. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is say nothing. And you might not have much to offer, but you can't offer wisdom, ladies. But not only for her wisdom, she's known not only her wisdom, but her walk. Lastly, verse 28 through 31, her children rise up, call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously. There's a key back to verse number 10, that same word virtue, kail. But thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. You know what she's known for? The stuff she's already doing. She's known for the things that she's doing that are right. Her own works praise her in the gates. Her husband and children look and see the value. They praise her for that. And that's what the passage is all about. It goes back to verse number 10. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above ruse? It's not about what she costs. It's all about what she's worth. And she was praised for her walk with the Lord. So the question this morning is, ladies, what do you want to be known for? You ever heard the word legacy? The legacy. You could look at people in society and say, Man, once that person's name is mentioned, I know what their legacy is all about. I know what they're known for. If you think about people in the Bible, you hear the name David, you think about Goliath. You might hear about Moses and you might think about the burning bush or the Ten Commandments. You hear the name Jonah. You can't think about Jonah without thinking about the whale. All of these different people. But what do people think when your name is mentioned? Jokester, kidder, life of the party, can't be taken serious, prideful, sinner. What do people think about when your name gets called? What do you want your legacy to be? The passage concludes, her own works determine the amount of her praise. Her own works. Let her own works praise her in the gates. American philosopher William James said this. The great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. The great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. Uh, Ladies, how do you keep your legacy going on? How do you make an impact that outlives you? You fear the Lord. You follow the Lord. You put your faith in the Lord. You trust Him even when you don't know what's happening around you. You can trust the one who is over you. But the question is, have you even trusted Him at all? 
Has there ever been a time in your life where you've placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus? If you were to die today, are you for sure convinced that you would die and go to heaven? Are you sure of that? And if you're not, hey, it doesn't matter what your kids think about you. At the end of your life, it comes down to what does God have to say about you? Not about what your legacy is, because you can have a great legacy that outlives you and still die lost. But do you have a relationship with Jesus? What will people think of you when you leave this earth? What will your legacy be going forward? Will it be a legacy of godliness, of virtue, or will it be one that people will say, you know, I I knew her, but she didn't really have a profound impact in my life. She didn't really have a testimony of godliness that impacted me. Hey, which testimony would you like to have at the end of your life? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. As we prepare for our time of reflection and invitation, our personal workers are going to move into their place at this time. And Let me just ask you two questions this morning. Very simple. I'm going to be right down front in just a minute. Our music team is moving in place, and we're going to sing a song together in a moment to close out the service. But let me ask you two very simple yet very personal questions. Number one, if you died today, Are you sure that you would go to heaven? And I'm sure in a crowd this size, most people would probably say, yes, pastor, I know that if I died, I'll be on my way to heaven. I I know that. I I have that confidence. I know that I've placed my faith in Christ. And I won't this morning for sake of time, but if I asked you to raise your hand, most people would raise their hand. Pastor, I know. That is my testimony. I know Jesus is my Savior. But maybe you're here this morning, and that's not your testimony. Maybe you're here and you say, pastor, I... I might have virtue, I might be someone who has good morals, but I don't know that Jesus is my Savior. I don't know that if I died, I'd be on my way to heaven. I'm not convinced of that. I, I'm not positive. I don't have that confidence. And I'm not here to poke at you or, or talk bad about you or send someone to talk to you, but I would like to pray for you. This morning, in, in this time of reflection, where we're sitting back and we're thinking about what does God want me to do? How does He want me to respond At this moment, to what I've heard from his word today, do you have Jesus in your life as your personal Savior? Do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you're born again? And can I pray for you? While no one's looking around, I would like to know who I'm praying for today as I pray and ask the Lord to speak to your heart. With no one looking around, not to embarrass you, would you simply slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure. I don't have that confidence you're talking about. Please pray for me. Is that you? I don't want to miss you, but I do want to pray for you sincerely. Pastor, thank you for your honesty. You can put your hand down. Pastor, I'm just not sure. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. Don't send anybody to talk to me or uh, call me out or call my name, but would you just simply pray for me this morning? That At some point, I'll get that settled. Is that you this morning? I'd like to pray for you as your friend. Uh, Pastor, pray for me. I, I don't have that settled in my life, but man, I, God spoke in my heart, and I know that I need to get that settled. Is that you? Is that you? I'm looking. I don't want to miss you, but I do want to pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I, I do want that kind of legacy that outlasts me, that outlives me. And I do want to have that kind of life where people see and I impact someone's life for Christ. Man, if that's your testimony, that's awesome. But let me encourage you today to don't walk out of here and do nothing with what you've heard about. Would you simply talk to the Lord? You can either talk to one of our personal workers. They're in front of you, behind you. You can take a moment and find out where they are around you, your proximity. And 
If you'd like to talk to someone this morning, pray with someone or have someone pray with you, take the Bible and encourage you, whatever you need today, we're here for you. We want to try and help you, sincerely, try and help you this morning in your walk with the Lord to have that kind of legacy. So when people hear your name mentioned, they hear godliness and virtue. Someone who makes a lasting impact. And if that's your testimony, man, I hope that you'll take time this morning to talk to the Lord, whether in your seat or come to the altar and pray, whatever God wants you to do, whatever you feel led to do. But we want to be serious in this moment of reflection and ask God in our lives what He expects out of us. Father, please bless this time of invitation. Lord, for those who raised their hand and said that they didn't know that you were their Savior, Lord, whether they come forward or sit there in their seat, help them to acknowledge that they have a spiritual need that they can't meet on their own, that they're a sinner. Lord, your word says that that sin separates us, divides us from you. But Jesus died on the cross so that that relationship could be restored. Lord, so that we could be forgiven. And Lord, help us to believe that when you died on the cross that you did that for us. You took our place. Help us to simply call and confess and ask you to save us, forgive us of our sin, and be our Lord and Savior. And Lord, whether they come forward to speak to someone or right there in their seat, Lord, help them to take a moment and simply talk to you about their spiritual need and, and confess what you're doing in their heart and their life. Lord, I ask that you please help them to believe in you today. Lord, I ask that you please speak to those who say, I want to have a legacy that outlasts me, that outlasts my life. Lord, help them to be sincere and help them to call on you, desiring you to do something in their heart and life to where they will have what they're praying for. Lord, we ask that you please bless this time of invitation reflection. Use it for your glory. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Our team's beginning in playing. Pastor Tim's going to lead us in song. I'll be right down front. Our personal workers all around, down front, behind you. If you need to speak to someone this morning, we would love to take the Bible and encourage you. If you need to take a step this morning, whatever your next step may be, would you simply do what God is leading you to do before we close this morning? Do what God wants you to do as we sing.